if what you said is true, Mark Withers and the Nerd Cage could be dangerous. Hello and welcome. That's right. You're trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight. Please hit that like button and subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jay St. G, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York, and always with me, the warrior from Wakanda, the fiend from Louisville, my man, Mark Withers, what's shaking? Hey man, what's going on? Super excited to be here as usual, and yes, today's episode is going to be dedicated to the 15th anniversary of Spike Lee's one and only heist movie. It also represents the fourth collaboration with his friend Denzel Washington. Jay, yes. I know you're a big fan of that. And of course, I'm talking about 2006's Inside Man. Now, Jay, I don't know how this one slipped past me. It was a big hit at the time, but for whatever reason, I never got to watch it before this weekend. I gotta say, I really enjoyed it, but I wanted to kind of get your take, being the huge Denzel Washington fan that you are. What do you think of this movie? Oh, man. Denzel, it doesn't matter what scenario, it doesn't matter what director, it doesn't matter what script, you know that my man, Denzel Washington, delivers as usual. I like seeing Denzel as a cop. I think he's right. probably played a cop. Whatever, it's a good cop or a bad cop, he plays a great cop and he's done it many times. This one's a little bit different because this time his character is funny and he's got some <laughs> pretty good one-liners in there. And you got Spike Lee, New York City, a fantastic cast and Denzel Washington all combined and a heist movie that not only keeps you on the edge of your seat, but as it starts unfolding, you start to realize, wait a minute, right. the bad guy ain't really the bad guy. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of this one is the twist itself. Now, the origin behind this story starts with a guy named Russell Gerwitz, who is actually an attorney in New York City who decided to sort of give up his practice and just start traveling the world. And one year he was at Cannes Film Festival and he met a guy named Daniel Rosenberg. He pitched him an idea that wound up being sort of the origin for this movie. They put a script together and then they started making the rounds in LA. Eventually the script made its way to Ron Howard and Brian Grazer who had formed Imagine Studios at the time. They actually handed it off to Terry George who then doctored the script up, added the Nazi war criminal element. And originally Ron Howard was supposed to direct this movie. But Which I think he would have been good. It would have been good, but somewhere along the way, he'd been approached by Russell Crowe to direct Cinderella Man. So he dropped out of this project and then Brian Grazer passed it off to Spike Lee, who then read the script and found these similarities between this movie and Dog Day Afternoon, which was a movie that he really loved. And yeah. so he decided that he wanted to go ahead and direct this movie. I feel like Inside Man kind of like marked like the end of like the first era of Spike Lee. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. And then now we're in the new era of Spike Lee. What really stands out to me about this one is that although it is a Spike Lee film, it doesn't really feel like a typical Spike Lee film. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed more, that out. Yeah, it feels more like a Sidney Lumet, like your 70s or 80s bank mm -hmm. heist film, even though it has like some of the typical Spike Lee hallmarks, like you've got yes. sort of like the guy floating down the street, you know, mm -hmm. and you've got the faces in the crowd, the jazz music. That is a little bit muted compared to some of the other Spike Lee hallmarks that we've sort of become accustomed to. One thing you got to give him props to, he uses his platform to his advantage and he likes to right. educate. 
So usually in most of his, not all of his movies, but some of his movies, he likes to incorporate some kind of like documentary style into his movies. Right. You don't see that in this. So, you know, if you didn't know this movie was directed by Spike Lee, you wouldn't have known because you don't see his typical trademarks in there as much as you see other films, you know, like Malcolm X and The Five Bloods and so on and so forth. Right. That being said, I mean, Spike knocked it out of the park. There's great intense action scenes. I love all the interrogation scenes, how they're interrogating all the hostages that get released because, you know, they have to. The, I think the one that got me the most was that one obnoxious woman. Would you like me to bend over and pick up the pencil? Right. <laughs> I, I just, it gets you every time. It's just so funny. I just, I don't know. It's just, just the timing of these lines are just, oh, just flawless. I mean, I just, again, I mean, there's so much to like about this movie that, it's got those funny moments. It's got those intense moments. And again, when it all comes together at the end, you're just like, <laughs> Absolutely. And you've got an all-star cast in Denzel Washington, Clive Owen, Chiwetel Ejiofor in one of his earlier roles, yep. Jodie Foster, Christopher Plummer, yes. Willem Dafoe. I mean, everybody's in this movie and they all shine. You know, Spike mm -hmm. Lee manages to bring like these great performances out of everyone despite it being such a stacked cast. Yeah. Any Spike Lee fan, any Denzel Washington fan, if you're a fan of crime thrillers, heist movies, you can rent it anywhere, but it's the only way to get it for free right now, it's that Peacock service. Again, right. we're in the midst of the streaming wars and it was on Netflix for the longest time. Well, now that Universal's thrown their hat into the ring of the streaming wars, that's the only way to watch it for free is through Peacock. Right, and the good news about that is that Peacock is 100% free with mm -hmm. ads, but at least you can kind of, you know, you have the opportunity of just downloading the app, going into the movies, very easy to find. But yeah, it's definitely worth the time to watch this one. Yeah, not much more to say about it, but Mark, where would you rank this movie among Denzel's other work and Spike Lee's other work? Wow, so it's tough to rank this one because I'm like you, I really think, you know, and I've said this in other episodes, that Denzel really can do no wrong. He's yeah a national treasure at this point. He's mm -hmm. one of our greatest actors. And I think that here he turns in a fantastic performance as he usually does. So I have to lean more on the story and the remaining cast members who all were fantastic. My favorite Spike Lee movie, without a doubt, is Malcolm X. Okay. After that, it's gonna be Mobiter Blues, and then probably this movie. As far as like Spike Lee and Denzel combo, uh, Malcolm X by far is his best and again it's amazing how dead on they got the look and the feel of Malcolm X himself in that film so I cannot put this movie above Malcolm X not by far but I would probably rank the same as you and as far as Spike Lee's broad work here I'd rank this number five but again this movie is sadly overlooked I think I don't think anyone talks about this movie enough. So I'm hoping with this look back, people will go back and either rewatch it or watch it for the first time. We will not say the twist, but there's a twist. Be ready for it. Some of the greatest parts of this film are with actors who are not within the top billing. So yeah. Christopher Plummer, for example, gives an outstanding performance here as Arthur Case. Um, Jodie Foster's character is a big part of what makes this movie incredibly compelling. And when she comes in, it's, it starts going down, man. Exactly, that is exactly how I felt. So it felt like one movie within the first half. And the minute that she comes on screen, it turns into an entirely different type of a movie. Yeah, it's and more than brings, just a heist. That's the beauty of it. Absolutely, absolutely. As far as execution, storytelling, camera work and everything, I had to put this movie 9.5 out of 10. I'd give it a solid eight out of 10. So 
I really enjoy the story. I love the twist at the end. Great pacing, great acting throughout. You know, a couple of minor problems, mm -hmm. but nothing that really minor. the film for me. Yeah, uh, I would absolutely. definitely give it a solid eight. We just want to thank everybody for all the ongoing support and all the live streams and everything else. Going into the next couple of lookbacks, we're going to be taking a hard turn as far as lookbacks. We're going to be taking a look back at the 55th anniversary of Daiei's classic, Daimajin. And it's going to be our first time talking about a kaiju film. That should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear Mark's take on everything. And then following that one, we're going to be taking a look back at the 40th anniversary of Friday the 13th Part 2. The one that yes. changed everything for that series. Yeah, I remember seeing Friday the 13th Part 2 in the theater. And for people who don't know, this is the very first appearance of Jason, one of the most iconic horror film characters of all time. And so we're going to be sort of chopping it up, talking about the origin of this film, what we loved, what we didn't love about this movie. So it's definitely going to be an interesting ride. Absolutely. So before we go, we ask you to please like, comment, subscribe ring that bell and spread that shit like so to the usa from louisville to syracuse to all of our friends and fans around the world at nerd cage live enjoy life stay safe and good night sayonara Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage are you well before you go hit that subscribe button and if you're really intrigued ring that bell Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! <laughs>